Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 276, Grounded Relationships with Kiara McHale. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. I'm so excited for you for the conversation you're about to listen to. I love this conversation with Kiara um, because I think it's rare. I think it highlights kind of a way of being with others when we have some sense of who we are and how our experience works that is possible for anyone and everyone. But again, it is kind of rare, I think. And I just love the way that Kiara talks about this. So Kiara is a change coach. She lives in Australia. She's an incredible coach. She's seen so much herself in so many different areas of life. Um, she also happens to lead our little School of Big Change office hours for the Australia, New Zealand region. So you may know her um, from there, but she's just such a great person, um, has seen so much, is so open and willing to share it and a really incredible coach. And I was really excited for us to decide to talk about relationships in this episode um, because it's something that, as you'll hear, she's really put a lot into. You know, she... um, she says it better than I will, but but basically after some not so successful relationships, she really was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. Like, I want to do better. I want to get this right. And part of that kind of went along with her own spiritual journey and just things that she's seen along the way. Um, but she did research <laughs> and she brought that research to her new partner and specifically looked for someone who was open to that. And when she describes some of the conversations they have, some of the ways that they kind of are with each other, where we they can point things out to each other, I, I just think it's so simple and so beautiful to be able to have that kind of trust and that kind of um, connection with someone where you both just feel free to point these things out and to learn from each other. Um, And I think a lot of that comes just from this grounding that things are not so personal and that there's just a a way that, you know, minds tend to work that if we see that things can be so much easier, so much less defensiveness, so much less of taking things personally, um, so much more resilience when we do, when we do get defensive and when we do take things personally. So I I love, this is a, a, lengthy conversation with good reason. It's really, really um, important. And I think it's just really unique. I think you're going to love hearing from Kiara about how her relationship goes. Um, And if you want to get in touch with her, I will put her information in the show notes because again, she's a a great person to just reach out to if you have thoughts or questions, um, but also if you're looking for some support. So enjoy this conversation with Kiara. Hi, Kiara. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Finally. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. I know I've, um, this has been on in the back of our minds maybe for a while that, because I, I know there's been so many different things that we could explore and talk about. So it's kind of fun that um, that now something, a topic has kind of moved to the forefront. So we're going to talk about relationships, all kinds of relationships. And I know you've had a lot of experiences recently, um, just seeing things, yeah, I guess a little more clearly through your own relationships. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, 
I think it's it's such an important topic. I mean, relationships are, are pivotal to our our health and our well being. And, you know, whether it's, you know, whether we have a partnership, a romantic partnership or not, or whether it's familial or colleagues or friends, you know, we are all in relationship. And I think we all know that, like, when our relationships are going well, they seem to form this bedrock for everything else that we're going off and doing in our lives. And yet when there's turmoil happening in a in a relationship, in our personal life, um, whether it's our partner or a sibling or parents, kids, anything that that will then make everything feel unstable. Like it, it will then feed into how we show up at work or um, just our general kind of well-being. It, it's, it really is pivotal that we, we get this right. And yet it's not something that we get taught at school. Like no one tells you how to have successful relationships. We just wing it and base it on what we've seen our parents do or, or other people doing around us. And it's, yeah, it's crazy to think that this really, really important thing is just left completely to chance. Isn't that interesting, really? I mean, you're right. Like there's no, very little even conversation about it, it feels like for most people, I'm guessing, and most families and stuff. And it it is such a area where so much of our insecurities can come out and drama and all of this. And then it's like, we're all just walking around earth, basically doing what we saw our parents do, which most of us would probably say, that's not really what I want to be doing. (laughs) I don't want that relationship. But you're right. Until we kind of hit up against something, I guess, and are are forced to look at it ourselves in a deeper way and kind of explore some of this stuff, it seems like we just are destined to kind of repeat the patterns. Yeah. And I think also the way that we tend to be moving through society now, there's such massive jumps. Like, I mean, even just generationally from my grandparents who would have met around wartime, kind of got married and then early on and then kind of stuck it out for as long as possible to then my parents' generation to our generation. Like these, there's so much that's happened in these just these two short little jumps. And yet we're still, that's all we've been shown. And, you know, they talk about things like sex ed and stuff at school, but they they don't tell you how to like master some of these really important things. Um, and you're right, like relationships really are where all your kind of growth happens there. They hold these big gaping mirrors up at us and show us exactly all the things that we need to be, you know, that need to come up and be felt or seen. And yet we don't know that. So we just we're just kind of holding on to this roller coaster with dear life, just thinking, am I getting it right? Is this it? Is this how it's meant to be? Like, it's crazy. And thinking it's maybe having a sense that it's us too, but also thinking it's them, I would guess for most people, right? Like we kind of are on to looking inward, but I I mean, I wasn't for many, many years. And I think most people aren't where it's like, why am I picking the wrong person? Or I keep, you know, how come everyone at work annoys me? I think I should change my job and work with people I like. And it's like, wait a minute, (laughs) turn it around. And once we turn it around and we see that, then it's like, oh yeah, the same things are happening again, across all our relationships in many ways, which is awesome. I mean, that's what a cool mirror to get to see our own projections that clearly. But yeah, it is funny before we know it's a mirror. It just looks like the whole world sucks. (laughs) Like we need to rearrange everything. It does. It really, I mean, even now, I mean, I'm in my mid forties and, um, you know, I've trained with you and, um, with various other people, but, and, I'm still only just really seeing that I have all of these 
requirements that need to be put in place for me to be okay. It's like for me to feel secure in myself, people need to behave in a certain way around me. They need to use a certain tone of voice. They need to say certain things. Um, and it's like, I think being in this new relationship that I've been in now for just over a year, it really showed me that I had all these requirements that were all just in my head, these arbitrary rules that I've made up over the course of my life, but that I genuinely believed that they needed to all be met for me to be okay. Um, so it was kind of like I was placing my my security, my personal security, like in his hands and then, and then judging him against whether he was getting it right or wrong. But the ironic thing was that it wasn't, you know, he, he couldn't get it right or wrong because they were my own arbitrary requirements that I was just making up as I went along. So it was kind of really seeing that, oh yeah, it's like, it's just this illusion you know, the the suffering that I would go through periodically, it wasn't showing me that there was anything wrong in my relationship. It was actually showing me that I had this like made up construct. Um, and it's like, I need this to happen for, for me to be okay. Or I, I need, I need him to say such and such for me to feel secure. It was, yeah, it's crazy. And I'm literally still seeing it all the time. Yeah, I am too. And I love how you said that. Like, they can't get it right or wrong because we made it up. And, and we're also the judge, our mind is also the judge of whether it's right or wrong, just based on, you know, however we're feeling, I guess, in that moment or whatever. So yeah, it's so, so big to see that. And interesting to see, I don't know if you've seen this as much, but on the flip side, like when you sort of can see or we sense it anyway, that they're seeing us through their own own stuff. Like that maybe is a little murkier, but it's like sometimes you get a sense of that. And I know I have like in all kinds of relationships and it's just like, whoa, this isn't about me, <laughs> you know, but that can be sensitive to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I felt like I was living in this three kind of three person perspective. It's like I had the crazy maker in my brain that was seeing everything through the filters of my very old stories that I'd constructed from childhood around abandonment, around kind of this, this need I had to feel loved and valued. And, you know, this, this kind of weird belief that I've kept through childhood that like everybody's going to leave me. And, um, so there was all that that I could see was story, but I was still very much in the feeling of it. Um, then there was this other perspective of the reality that was actually going on was that, you know, we were actually having this really beautiful relationship and we had all these magical moments and we had all these amazing dates. And, you know, it was a really like the, the reality of what we were actually doing day to day was beautiful. And then I had the crazy maker in my brain telling me that there was all this other stuff going on. And then I kind of had this higher sense of being an observer, like watching the amusement park of my life where I was like, oh, isn't it funny? Like you're, you're still believing that and you're in the feeling of this. And, and yet everything is actually really going rather well. But then the realization that he was also going through that too. And it's like, when I go to the beach, I see the waves and sometimes you get these two kind of opposing waves that 
meet in the middle and kind of conflict and crash against each other. And then other times they're in perfect harmony. And it's like, sometimes my stories and his stories were actually in sync and they seem to be mirroring each other beautifully. And then other times, like I'd be feeling really great about something and yet he'd be caught in his story. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're, you've got a crazy maker too. (laughs) And it it was just so bizarre to kind of see like, it was like being this weird play where there were all these different characters and yet it was just him and I in our relationship, period. So how was it like starting this relationship a little over a year ago, having seen, having been through what you've been through in your own growth and like just seeing a lot about how all of this works? I'm guessing that perspective you just mentioned of being able to kind of pop out and see the whole thing once in a while was not there maybe 15 years ago in relationships. No. How did, how did that like end up like looking different? I guess, how did the, how did the relationship sort of unfold given that you could sort of have this bigger perspective? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've been married before and it was not a successful marriage. Um, he and I described it as like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Um, so when I separated and then got divorced, I realized that I needed to learn about relationships. I needed to get some sort of training. So I did courses and I read books and I think I was, I started learning terms like red flags and all of this sort of stuff. And I thought if I'm going to have a successful relationship, I firstly, I need to do some work on myself to make sure that I'm choosing decent people and actually being attracted to decent people and staying with the decent person instead of always kind of being attracted to these red flags. Um, but then I was single for quite a few years. And when I finally realized I was ready, I almost, I kind of instinctively knew that it was going to be my next level of growth. Like when you live on your own, Very little things trigger you. You get to watch your own TV shows. You get to listen to your own music, do whatever the hell you want, go to sleep when you want. And there's no one to bump up against. And I I was kind of, I knew I was ready for a relationship, but I also knew that it was going to be inviting this extra person that was going to probably bump up against all my, all my stuff. Um, And I was ready for it. So I was very intentional about about going into this. I did the pre-work. Um, and then I was very clear about the kind of person that I wanted to, to have in my life. You know, I wanted somebody who was into all the same sort of stuff that I was into, or at least have a certain amount of it in common with me so that we could have these conversations. Like I wanted to be able to talk about this stuff, like I'm talking to you now, but with my partner. Um, and I'd never had that before. Um, that's not true. I had had it, but it was finding someone who had those interests and actually was as interested in this stuff as I was. Um, so there was that, but also like I was going through a really, really tricky time at work. Um, in the middle of last year, we were, we were going through something that was affecting our organization in a very major way. So, um, we were all very, very stressed. And I also, had COVID really badly, which affected my, my energy levels. So my mental well-being felt rubbish. And I was just in a, my mood was at an all time low. Um, and I was not feeling great about life. And I decided to, 
well, this is kind of an example of life living me. I literally had no intentions of dating at all. For me, it was like the worst possible time that I could start dating. It was, you know, like October, September, October time, right before Christmas. I was in this horrible situation at work. So even though I knew I was ready for a relationship, that definitely wasn't when I was going to start looking for one. Um, and I basically, what I actually decided was that I was going to look at, um, moving back to Europe because I, w- I wasn't having a good time. So maybe living with my, you know, going back to my parents would be the thing that would make me feel better. And, um, I went online one evening to, look into buying some aircraft carriers for my dogs because I thought I'm going to have to get them crate trained. And instead, I signed up to a Hinge uh, dating profile. And before I knew it, I kind of had my dating profile set up. And it was almost like the universe kind of said, no, you're seeking family, but that doesn't need to be you moving across the planet and going, you know, to your family. You can actually create a family here for yourself. And it was like, huh, interesting. It really just kind of caught me by surprise that that had happened. Um, but then when he and I actually did me and we started dating, like you go through this honeymoon period where like everything just feels sparkly and amazing. And, you know, you've got a spring in your step for, that comes from nowhere. And it it just struck me that all of the stuff I was going through at work that literally was making me feel awful a couple of weeks previous just wasn't touching me anymore. It's like my, my circumstances were identical. I was still opening my laptop every morning and facing the same things that I was facing every day at work. But I was in a new relationship and I was falling in love and everything was shiny and happy. And, and yeah, my, my circumstances just didn't matter to me in the same way. And I remember my boss kind of saying to me, like, what's happened? Like, you literally are like a different person and yet things are still really bad. Like, I don't understand. And, um, so yeah, kind of having that perspective of, it wasn't my circumstances, you know, my circumstances were still horrendous at work and yet I felt amazing. Um, but also I guess you talk a lot about the sensations in our body just being energy that rises and falls and, and then we have this brain that kind of puts these labels on it. Um, and I used to suffer a lot from uh, severe anxiety and I'd have these days where I'd be like driving up the freeway on the way to see my my new partner. And I was so excited and I had this kind of clenching in my stomach and my heart was beating out my chest and I couldn't eat. And I just, you know, I felt I felt short of breath and like everything felt tingly. And I remember having this thought, like if I didn't have this knowledge that I was on my way for a date, I would say that I'm about to have a panic attack. Like it felt the exact same way as when I had like a really extreme anxiety event, because that was what was in my body all the time when I was anxious and I was having panic attacks. It was the exact same feeling. The sensations were all there. And yet they felt good this time around because I had the the good story attached to it. And it was like, ah, interesting. Yeah. It's like, again, it was this real realization of they are just sensations. And then my brain goes ahead and attaches a, an anxiety or a dating label to it. I love that. It's so, it is so cool how this stuff just like, it just reveals the truth or at least reveals 
where we were not seeing the truth, you know, like it really, really looks like work is doing this to me or whatever. And then it's like, wait a minute, it just can't be so fascinating. And, and, and with the feelings too, I mean, there's just something, it's like when, when the label is like, oh, excitement or whatever the label might be, there's, there's also, I think, just this willingness to feel it. You know, I've felt that recently too, where it just really dawned on me, and I've talked about this a lot in the past, where, oh, in another day, what I'm feeling right now, would it, like you said, it, this would have been called anxiety, and I think it would take a totally different path. But but it can also just be like, oh, okay, there's just a lot of energy here. It's just something going on. And there's almost just this opening to it that's very natural when it doesn't have all those scary labels around it. Yeah. And when, you know, you talk about welcoming what arises and I think that you're right, when you, when you are open to it being there, it tends not to hang around in the same way. I mean, it would come and then it would go and then it would come and then it would go. And I think that, you know, these, these things are just kind of, we, we, we tend to forget that we are human beings and we're feel, we're feeling machines. That's literally what we do. We sense our way through the world by, by feeling. And, and yet we have grown up thinking that feeling has to happen in a good way and not in a bad way. And we can't feel too much, even if it's a good thing. And, you know, we definitely can't feel a bad thing. So we get so used to kind of, saying no and like, nope, this is wrong and I don't want this and this is bad and I need to medicate this and I need to stuff this down. And, and actually this, all this stuff just is just coming up to be felt. And then if you have that allowance of it, it does, it just kind of bubbles up to the surface and then fizzes away and then it bubbles up again, then it fizzes away. It doesn't weigh you down and feel so heavy and sticky all the time. Yeah. So so how has it been um, like if you're out of the honeymoon period or at least it's changed a little bit? I mean, I'm sure after a year, there's a, a different version of it. And not to make that a thing, but what, I, what I'm really curious about in that is like how um, kind of like you're saying, it's like the feelings change, the depth and the, the way that we relate to this other person just seems like it evolves and changes. And the mind can have a lot of stories about that. You know, like this is gone or now we're here or, you know, whatever that stuff is. It's like you can feel this sense sometimes of the mind just wanting to solidify everything and know where we are or what phase we're in or what this means. And and then that can kind of change over time. So I'm just curious if you've kind of noticed any of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, The brain still does all of that. And some of that's useful. Like one of the things, one of the things that, he and I have found really useful is that I remember learning this concept when I, when I first got divorced, um, and I was looking into how to do relationships better. I started reading a lot of books, um, from John Gray, the guy that wrote men are from Mars, women are from Venus, um, and other authors who wrote about similar things. And what they all talk about is the fact that men and women are as different from each other as cats and dogs. Um, I mean, I, I can only kind of speak to my personal experience of being in a relationship with a man, but, you know, whether it's even with, um, with other women and, and kids and it really doesn't matter, but men and women are so different. And yet we, we kind of expect them to, 
do and say and feel and act the way that we would. Um, and what was even, what's even funnier is that we don't just expect them to behave like us. Because we compare ourselves to the perfect woman, we actually expect them to behave like the perfect woman. So we're constantly judging them against whether they're behaving like the perfect woman or not. And because <clears throat> human beings judge ourselves on our intentions, but we judge other people on their actions, like we're basically just expecting these guys to be big, hairy, perfect women. And of course, they're not. They think differently they act differently yeah, no, I do like that <laughs> they should be big hairy perfect women how great would that be <laughs> I mean it'd be lovely if I could be the perfect woman too but it's crazy because like we don't realize that we see these human beings walking around and it's like oh yeah they're human so they must think and feel and act and say like I do and yet reading these books it kind of showed me like men are completely different even when they say the same words that we use it means something different like we live in opposite land like everything that we think is important to us like talking and sharing and um closeness and like all these things that are super important to a woman for a man it's almost like the opposite and yet we kind of go through these relationships expecting them to do and say and feel and think and everything like we do so from the kind of like reality stuff, it was super important for he and I to, to understand that and bless him. Like I'm, I'm an avid reader and I'm always doing these courses and, and he's, he's a very feeling spiritual person, but he's not a big reader, but he, he did. He downloaded the book onto his audible account and he listened to men are from Mars. Um, and what it did was it kind of gave us this, um, this, vocabulary the shared vocabulary that we could use and it helped him to understand like when he's feeling the need to pull away from me it's because men have to go to their caves to be able to process stuff whereas for a woman we process through sharing so we actually seek the company of others to process our things and for him to just understand it's like oh there's nothing wrong with that with my relationship I just feel the need to pull away because it's a guy thing. Um, and then he could use that language. He could say to me, like, I'm not pulling away from you. I just feel the need to go off to my cave for a few days. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then that in turn, because I understood that that was a guy thing, I then wasn't panicking. It wasn't like, what have I done? Why is he feeling the need to pull away? So that was super helpful. Um, and the whole seasons thing, like you said about the brain wanting to talk about seasons, like that is also super helpful because when you understand that the honeymoon period doesn't last and that relationships do go through seasons and that some seasons are actually harder to or require more effort than others and some seasons don't feel as great as others, again, you kind of expect it. And so when you hit a new season that doesn't feel like the old one, you don't panic and think, oh, that's it. Relationship's dead now. Like all the sparkles have gone away. None of that matters because you're like, oh, no, this is just this is kind of how they go. So on one hand, kind of having those constructs was actually helpful to us. But then on the other hand, it was realizing that life is just life and that those constructs are still incredibly fluid and that really don't sort of mean all that much along the way. And, and also that you forget the constructs. I mean, when you're feeling the need to 
pull away, <clears throat> your brain will still say, oh, there's something wrong here. Like there's something wrong. So yeah, it was, I felt really blessed that I'd picked somebody um, that was interested in kind of doing this journey with me in a very, you know, let's, let's get very intentional about this and, and let's work on this. Um, but also seeing that we were all still, you know, we're still just getting dragged around by the nose of life and that all the books and courses and stuff in the world doesn't actually, you know, you're still in it. You're still in the thick of it and it's moving and changing all the time. And yeah, sometimes his peaks and my peaks wouldn't be simultaneous or like his, his troughs would actually drag me into a trough or vice versa. And that stuff is like, yeah, we still notice that. Um, but I guess the difference between now and then is that having that awareness, like I think the biggest thing that we could both see was how our moods affected the quality of our thinking. And I'm quite a, obviously, you know, we're all emotional beings, but he's quite an up and down emotional person. Like he's, he goes in, in quite high waves that are close together whereas I'm much more level and flat um and for me having done my training with you it was clear to see like when he was on like a high wave of feeling amazing and you know his his mood was kind of like those upper elevator floors like he was up there the quality of his thoughts were <clears throat> would tell him like yes everything's great life's perfect. I'm kicking goals. Yes, I've got a lot on my plate, but I find it really exciting and everything's amazing. And then he'd have this kind of the wave would go down. And then when he was at the trough of his wave, it would be thoughts of like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't believe how much I've got on my plate. Like I need to start offloading stuff. You know, how on earth can I be in a committed relationship when I've got all this stuff going on? And, and it was so clear for me to be on the outside of that seeing those waves because for him it was actually super predictable like he'd go in these two to three week waves where everything would be amazing and he would be just enamored by life and by us and then his energy would kind of drop out and then all of a sudden it was like oh you know is this relationship really the right thing for us um and I think helping him to see that was probably the biggest sea change that I think both of us could have because once he realized that that was happening um, and he didn't realize it until kind of six months in, but once he could actually see quite clearly and, and I could show him evidence of that happening, it's like, you know, five days ago, you were actually full of the joys of spring and thinking that life was amazing. And now your thoughts and your words and your feelings and your mood and everything have taken a 180 turn and isn't that interesting? Like your circumstances all are the same. I'm still the same girlfriend to you that I was five days ago that you thought was amazing. But yet today, because your mood is low and your energy is low, you're now thinking, you know, is this the right thing for me? And as soon as he could see that, it was like, oh yeah, you know, I just, let's just not trust the court, you know, let's just not trust anything that kind of comes up when we're in a low mood. Um, and that has been really helpful because now it's like, if he, if I'm in a low mood, um, like I, I was the other day, instead of him getting insecure about 
Milo mood and what that meant about him, he just kind of said to me, like, is there anything I can do to help? And there wasn't because, you know, that I was just in a low mood and he's like, cool. Like, how about, you know, can I tell you a story? Will that help? And I'm like, yeah, that might help. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, we just we don't take those, um, yeah, the low moods as seriously. And the other thing that we actually agreed on that was super helpful <clears throat> was that we don't need to talk about all the stuff that comes up for us because when we're talking about stuff, when we're in a high mood, that's great. Like everybody loves talking about how amazing things are and how much people love each other and all the rest of it. But then when the quality of your thinking drops and you're in a low mood, instead of realizing that it was just that you're in a low mood and your quality of thinking has dropped, if you then start talking to your partner about like, oh, no, I think it was this thing that you said to me the other day. And, you know, I really didn't like the way you looked at me or I didn't like that thing you said. All of a sudden, like it really kind of takes the relationship down. And I think once we just saw that it was all just a product of this peaking and troughing of these waves that we were living in, we then were like, okay, let's just not talk about things, relationship things when we're in a low mood. Like, let's just use that time as a time to take care of ourselves. Like if we're in a low mood, let's just look after ourselves and let's not check in. Like let, let's not talk about us stuff yeah. when we're not feeling amazing because nothing good is going to come of that. And that's, that's still been super helpful. It's like now he can have all the wobbles he likes and I don't take any of it personally, or at least I try not to. And yeah, same thing. Like it just, takes all that pressure off to know that you can both be human having your own human wobbles and you can think it's about the other person causing those wobbles but it doesn't mean that it is right and that it all just moves through and changes and then tomorrow everything might seem completely different and yeah you're back to being like full of the joys of spring again <laughs> yeah it's amazing how you were able to see that for him and point it out like what a gift that we don't usually get from someone in our life and for and and you had to be and him for you as well but like you had to be in a place where you can point point out his highs and lows and like try to help him see how that was affecting his thinking and and all of that um from a place of of like it not being personal you know like there's still something in there where it's like yeah, but this is my partner and I really hope he hears this and he thinks it's me and it's not me. You know, there's so much still that can come in that and maybe did, but there's also this degree of like, no, let's just look at what's happening. It's not about me. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with blame. It has nothing to do with fixing anything. Just the way you describe it is like, this is just how it appears to be going. And I just think that's so, it's so amazing in any relationship to be able to speak to each other at that level. And it does take a degree of like seeing that what other people do is not about us. Yeah. And also, I mean, firstly, I'm super lucky that I have a partner that is willing to kind of let me be coachy around him. Like, I, I mean, all these books I've read will all say, you know, nobody likes unsolicited advice. And, you know, especially with guys, you've got to be so careful because they hate to be criticized and all the rest of it. Whereas I just can't help it. Like, I think I was a coachy person before I was a coach and now I'm an even more coachy person because I'm a coach. Um, but he never moaned about me 
pointing stuff out to him. He was always super, super open to me kind of saying, you know, can you see that this is a pattern? Like, but he didn't see it. Like, and he said to me a number of times, he's like, you keep saying the same thing. And it's just not my experience. Like in his head, he was still living the experience and the experience was telling him what it was telling him. So no amount of me pointing out his patterns and, you know, can you see it's this and can you see it's that? Like he couldn't see it. And it wasn't actually until the day that we we actually ended up breaking up for 24 hours that all of his kind of thinking dropped away, all of his insecure thinking dropped away. And this big kind of decision that he'd been battling with around, you know, do we stay together or do we take time apart or do we stay together? Like it was such an all consuming decision for a while for, for him that once that was taken off the table and the decision was made and, you know, we called it and I said, look, let's, you know, we're clearly not in a place where we can do this. The, it was like the, the snow globe just settled for him in that moment, all his insecure thinking fell away and he, was finally able to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really funny because like on the day, on the evening that we actually split up and it was a very emotional evening and we um, we finally made the call that, you know, he just wasn't ready for a relationship. And um, we then sat down and I just took that opportunity in my very coachy way to play him one of your videos and then make I uh, made him sit and watch the Michael Neal TED talk why aren't we awesomer and really like that was just kind of a couple of 20 minute videos saying exactly what I'd been banging on about for six months <laughs> and yet he was just in a headspace where he could hear it yeah. and also I think it helped hearing it from someone who wasn't me um I think yeah hearing it for I think as well hearing it from another man actually helped as well and he was just it was like this kind of like oh I I finally get it now so it's like yeah and then then everything that I'd been saying about thought creating our experience just made sense to him and he was like yeah I get it now and that then was the kind of the the bedrock for us moving forwards because then we again we had this shared vocabulary that we could use and it allowed we we kind of made an agreement like how do we point this out to each other in the future when we get confused again like we we gave each other like catchphrases and words that we could use that would hopefully bump each other out of that illusion when we get stuck in it again because of course we're going to get stuck in it again it's it's our experience it feels really really real so having all the knowledge in the world doesn't make you feel the experience any less. So, yeah, I said, you know, what, what do I say to you next time you're, you're stuck in your, in your experience? And he just said, just tell me to stop being an idiot. And he said, and that's going to be the catchphrase that will help me see that I'm just stuck in my, my thinking feeling cycle. And I'm like, right. Okay. So like calling him an idiot or telling him he's being an idiot is like, that's the catchphrase. And that will hopefully kind of, give us that like that sea change again it's like oh yeah I'm just believing my thinking I'm believing my stories again it's um it's so big too what you said about not having to talk about everything this is something that I or or you said it like not talking when you're in that lower mood but um 
this is something that's been huge for me in my relationship too, is just not having to talk about everything, period. <laughs> you know, the, like kind of seeing the the desire in that is like, it looks like it's going to fix something. Like, no, I, we need to, we need to get on the same page and we need to discuss this. And not that there's not a place for that sometimes, obviously, but a lot of that in my case anyway, was just this like, no, I can't sit in this feeling. So, so fix it for me. Um, but especially, you know, when you've been with someone for a while and there's stuff that you just hit up against and there just is no solution that you see. Like, like I have this in my relationship. There's, they come and go, but a couple things that it just maybe, you know, come up and, and crash into each other every few months or years or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, this again, do you know? No, I still don't know either. Okay. Well, let's just wait for it to blow over. And I just think about, you know, again, 15, 20 years ago, like I would have never thought that was okay. I thought you, you go to therapy and you get that figured out or it's just going to grow and get worse. And it's so amazing to see like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. In fact, needing to fix it is usually what makes it feel so much worse. Yeah. And um, I mean, one of the things that we did in the beginning of the relationship that I definitely think was really helpful. And I think there's definitely a massive place for it is that we would have these weekly check-ins. Um, and we, you know, we both come from different backgrounds. Um, he'd been married for 20 years, um, to, to, to one person. So his, the way he would filter things, it would be, you know, what did his ex-wife do or how, you know, and for me, I hadn't been married for that long period of time. And I'd, I'd also had a big period of time single that he hadn't necessarily had. So we kind of accepted that there were going to be miscommunications and there were going to be a lot of misunderstandings along the way. And we thought that the best way to handle this was to have these weekly check-ins. Um, and they were beautiful because one of the structures that we had was that we had to, you know, we weren't allowed to butt in to the other person when they were having their their share. Um, we had to acknowledge the things that were that were, you know, that we were grateful for as well. So it was really lovely to actually kind of sit there and say, you know, I really want to acknowledge you for that thing that you did or how you showed up in that moment. It was really beautiful. It made me feel super held. Like it was lovely to have that. And it was helpful from the perspective of, you know, those misunderstandings where he would say, yeah, but you said this and didn't you mean that? And I'd be like, no, of course I didn't. Like that wasn't what I meant at all because he would think, oh, but that was, that was what it would have meant if my, if my ex had said it or, you know, all of those sorts of things that came up. So the check-ins were good for that. But then the thing that we noticed was that the check-ins weren't helpful when either of us were going in, we're in at like in our low moods because if we just waited to do the check-in when we were both feeling great, if the thing that was bothering us in our low mood was still a thing, then it would still come up to be discussed, mm -hmm. but it would come up to be discussed in a much more loving, high vibe feeling. But when you discuss those things, when you're in the kind of drama of the feeling, it you're right, it is, it just becomes the brain creating problems that really don't have any solutions because you're still in that level of consciousness that created the problem. So there, there, there's no way to find a solution when you're in the problem level. Um, so that for us, you know, that old Einstein quote of not being able to solve a problem from the level of thinking that created it, like that was really pertinent for us. And it's crazy because we're taught that communication is so important, but actually communication is just a a neutral delivery tool. 
Like it's like a, yeah, it's, it's just a vehicle that delivers whatever mindset you're in at the time. So if you're feeling great about life, you communicate great things. When you're feeling crappy about life, the stuff that you're communicating is crappy. And if your partner's telling you, I think you're crappy and here are all the many crappy things I'm thinking, then you feel even crappier. So yeah, it's like communication is not always the right tool to use. Um, and seeing that was like super helpful. It's like, I didn't need to tell him about everything that was triggering me because they were my, my triggers. Like that's yeah. my stuff. And, um, to begin with, he, yeah, he wanted me to share everything and I wanted him to share everything. And then we just kind of realized that it's just not necessary. Like, you know, he, he'd figure it out. Like if he was having a, a something that he was going through, like he had his ways, he'd figure it out. Like he would go off into the bush and like take time in nature and I'd figure it out too. Like we didn't need to pick at it and like, turn it over like it just and often these things would just go away by themselves I think we think that problems will only be fixed with a solution and actually not all of them are like you said you get these one or two things that you bump up against you know at points in your relationship but most of the stuff if you just kind of stop thinking about it and and have an open mind to potentially letting it go it does just go or it stops feeling that important you don't have to nut everything out I love that it's so much easier that way and just so and it just feels like you can feel your health and your resilience in that too like I don't this doesn't need to be resolved for us to be okay even which again it's it's so against what I think we were probably kind of raised with like if this, just like you said about work, even like if these things are going on, I can't be okay. If this is happening in my relationship, I can't be okay. And in a bigger way, it's like you you can, you just yeah. ride it out and it'll, you know, it'll come back around to be looked at if it's a thing. Yeah. And I think we're so used to thinking about everything in terms of like either or. So we have these narratives in our head that says, I can't have this and that. I need to choose this or that. And one of the things that we practice, um, we have a saying that we, that we repeat back to each other fairly frequently of like, what would it look like if you got to have it all your own way? So one of the things that he was battling with was he didn't see how having space and having a committed relationship could coexist. Um, because he felt like he could either have the space and the freedom to go off and do all the things that he wanted to do, or he could have a girlfriend. He couldn't have both because our brains go into the past to predict our future. And because he'd never seen how that could work in the past, his brain just did not have any evidence for it. Mm -hmm. Um, so we started kind of saying, well, you know, what would it look like if you got to have it all? Like, you talk a lot about this and, and that's what we try and put in. It's like, okay, so what it would look like if I got to have the space that I wanted and a relationship was that, you know, maybe I could say to you, I'm going to go off on a camping trip with my mates for, you know, a few days, or I'm going to go and go rock climbing, or I'm going to go to a festival. Like it was just being able to kind of help him see that you can have and, and I mean, yeah, of course you're going to, there are going to be times where you compromise, even though I hate the word compromise, like 
I just think that there's a third way. Like we think that it's either compromising where someone misses out or this kind of either or situation. It's like, no, there's just a third way that we just haven't figured out yet. And that we don't have to have a relationship that looks like the relationships we've had in the past. And we don't have to have a relationship that looks like what society says a relationship is supposed to look like. Like we can actually write down on a piece of paper what would my life look like if I had it all my own way? And then figure that out with my partner. It's like, I want to have this and that. How do we make that happen? It's like, cool, okay, well, let's put our heads together and see how we can make that happen. And it's like, yeah, it it is all like figure outable, but our brain's like, no, 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 that that doesn't make sense. We can't do that and that. Like that doesn't that doesn't work together. And it it does. Like we both get to have the exact relationship that we want to have. And if we haven't seen it mimicked to us yet, we just need to sit down and figure out what it looks like. Yeah, it really speaks to that. Like like the mind's just closed to what it can't really see, what it hasn't seen yet. But I love that. And I think just to like expand this out, um, again, like to any relationships, I mean, everything that you've talked about, it just you know, what you're just saying makes me think about like the work that you do and, and HR and just with people and stuff, but like in any kind of work settings, like we're, I'm hearing a lot about this on the forum recently about just this person triggers me and this is the wrong setting for me and the wrong environment for me. And I mean, although, yeah, you can leave and you can make choices like that, especially when it's a job, maybe more so than a relationship and you're okay with that. It's just so valuable. It's going to keep coming up as we know. It's just going to keep coming up when it starts here. So to be able to flip that and then just open it up, like, well, what do I really even want? And why do I really even want it? Just asking those questions, not even getting them answered, but just even putting it out there is so huge. Yeah. And I mean, I always talk about triggers. I love the way that Michael Singer talks about it in An Untethered Soul. And he kind of talks about it like these thorns stuck in our heart that people bump up against. And when I think about it like that, and I talk to other people about it like that, it's like they are your sore spots that other people are bumping up against. Like the other people aren't, they're just moving their face and words and sounds are coming out. And some of them hit your sore spots and some of them just wash straight over you. But whether or not that thing that they said hurts your feelings or not is all about you and the the meaning that you place on it. And um, And I think whether you then want to kind of do the work about, you know, peeling back the layers of the trigger or not, it really doesn't matter. I think seeing that it's your illusion and that it's your story is often just so helpful in helping to see that there doesn't need to be a set of circumstances that are all in planetary alignment for you to be okay. And like, yeah, not all jobs are right for us. And yeah, we do whatever job you're in, you're probably going to have to work with some pretty challenging characters. And if you can see that you don't need all of those things to be okay for you to be okay, and that you're going to carry your set of expectations with it, with you into your next job too, that just kind of loosens everything off. And I think the more I see my expectations, the more I realize how often I set myself up for disappointment. Mm -hmm. And one of my kind of 
I guess, key um, uncomfortable feelings is this notion of feeling disappointed. And it's not until I then kind of sit and reflect or I journal about it or whatever, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because I have this expectation in my head that something's supposed to be a certain way. And that's why I'm feeling disappointed. It's not that the other person has disappointed me. It's that I just have this weird expectation that things are supposed to be a certain way. Um, you know, my my boss is supposed to show up in a certain way. My colleagues are supposed to talk to me in a certain way. Like people are supposed to see me or relate to me in a certain way. And that I need all of that to happen for me to feel okay. And it's like none of that needs to happen and I know that yeah especially in kind of a I think with with those closest to us especially we have so many intrinsic expectations like our parents and our kids and our partners like those real kind of close relationships like there's all these shoulds heaped on top of everything it's like but they should be this way or they should be behaving that way or things you know you've always said that that suffering doesn't come from you know whether people are having a and a bad time or not it doesn't come from their circumstances it really is like this notion of things should be different somehow and if you have these set of expectations that things should be a certain way that's going to be the same regardless of what job you're in. It's going to be the same regardless of what partner you have. Like if you keep holding your parents to a certain standard of how they should have raised you or things that they should have done, then you are never going to be able to drop out of that because they're your expectations. They're your parameters. And if you don't see them as your parameters and expectations, then they'll go everywhere with you and you'll lay layer that blueprint onto everybody and that's so restrictive like just it just even talking about it it makes my body feel like it's oh like tight and restricted yeah and on the flip side though to see what's happening there and and like you said just to be able to feel that restriction and look in the right direction look at what's really happening it's huge it's how yeah it's how this stuff can be like the biggest full of the biggest triggers and the biggest suffering but also the biggest freedom yeah and also that it's all it's all illusion like the stuff that actually makes us feel amazing as well like it's it's all just it's it's all just the same thing um and i one of the things that i love to think about is this you know this notion of the fact that we are nature we don't live in nature we're not part of nature we are nature and nature expands and contracts like the seasons expand and contract the the tides expand and contract like everything about nature has periods of expansion and periods of contraction and and knowing that that is who I am as well is super helpful because then it's like oh I have those days where I wake up and I'm like oh I feel really light and expansive and everything feels great and then I have days where I just feel really contracted and and I know that neither one of those things means anything about me and who I am it's just the nature of the fact that I am nature and um yeah when you can kind of 
if you can see that it's all okay and that there's place for all of it, there's just as much beauty and place for the contracted stuff as there is for the expansive stuff. It just kind of allows you to sort of enjoy the roller coaster of life a little bit more because you, you don't kind of put too much meaning in everything as it's happening. Awesome. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. I love this conversation. And I think, I hope people listening can see some of this in their own relationship. You know, it's, there's so many blind spots here, but I love how you just kind of describe how this goes. It's so relatable. So thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, no, thank you for for allowing me to talk about it. It's something that I'm really passionate about. And um, yeah, I really hope that other people can see just how important um, it is to not only to to have a, a, a really a, a good way of seeing the nature of our, of our experience, but also to know that, you know, relationships are so important and also they're, they're so, they, they can be amazing and they can be tricky and, and you don't, you can get coaching for those too. Like it doesn't just need to be around your anxiety or depression or habits. Like this is, these are things that really shouldn't be left to chance. Like these are, this is important stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, I mean, it's been lovely. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. On Tuesday, November 14th, I'll be hosting a webinar where you can hear all about the 2024 Change Coach Training Program. I'll talk about how the program works, who it's for, and what people tend to come away with both personally and professionally. And most exciting of all, I'll be joined by some actual change coaches who can speak to their experience. You can register at dramiejohnson.com slash changecoachwebinar, and I'll put that link in the show notes.